Hey Camp Kids! Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share some exciting news with you. Our website is now live and I invite you to go check it out in the show notes. Here I've posted the mission of the podcast, a little bio about me, your host, and how you can donate to the project. All donations will receive a shout out on the podcast, accompanied with a personalized thank you note and an announcement of what supplies were purchased with your donation. No donation is too small. And right now I've got a big project going to try and get some supplies that will help the clarity of this podcast. So if that's something that you're interested in, please visit the website in the show notes with details on how you can donate to the project. I've already received an incredible amount of interest in this podcast already, and this project is ready to move on to the next steps by keep bringing this camp community together. Once again, thank you guys so, so much for listening and your support of the podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Are you listening on your phone? Okay, good deal. Go ahead and do me a favor. Hop on social media and follow the Camp Kids podcast, especially on Instagram. I am wanting to continue to build this community and to start sharing ideas and even some sneak peeks. Do you want to contribute to the show without having to sit down and interview? This is definitely for you. I'll be posting polls and questions for listeners to be able to share what they would like to hear on this podcast. So, Please go and like us and follow us and share it out to all your friends. Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp career or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. Today, I'm bringing you our first bonus episode where we meet Madeline, aka Mad Dog. She runs a week-long camp to help young people who have experienced a burn or a smoke inhalation injury. I bring this episode to you earlier than normal to give you ample time to apply to be a volunteer. I know many of you camp kids are wanting to find ways to give back to the camp community and I encourage you to volunteer if you have time. Last week, I introduced Michael from Camp Courage, which is also a great organization to volunteer if you have time in the month of June. But if you've got some time the first week of August, please consider applying to volunteer at Burn Camp. So without further ado, let's meet Mad Dog. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here and for you to share about your camp experiences. My name is Madeline. At camp, I go by Mad Dog, and I am speaking to you from St. Louis, Missouri. Fantastic. Uh, I'm from Kansas City, so we Mm -hmm. got both sides of Missouri covered here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I am curious. I know that you're um, doing camp now as an adult, but I'm curious, did you also do, did you attend camps as a camper as well? Oh, I did. I was a lifer at a camp in my neighborhood from a camper to being a CIT to being a junior counselor and then a senior counselor. And that's where I spent every summer for about 15 consecutive years. Oh, my goodness. What Mm -hmm. organization was that through? That was Barry Day Camp in Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, okay. So you're Mm -hmm. originally from the East Coast. I am. Yes. I'm a transplant to the Midwest. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Grew up going to camp. You even said that you were a counselor and trainer and Mm -hmm. everything. Yes. 
that's fantastic. Now I know that of your position now, but did you work as like a seasonal staff member at any other camps? Yeah. Uh, no, I was pretty much exclusively at Barry day camp. I kind of, you know, moved away from camp for a little bit and focused on school-based social work and assistance to young people in that way. Um, and then I kind of came back to it in 2019 and thought to myself, why did I ever leave? <laughs> so, oh man, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads into my next question of telling our listeners about your current camp and organization that you work through. Sure. I work for Burns Recovered, and we are a nonprofit organization based in St. Louis, Missouri, that provides support to burn survivors and co-survivors. That's the term we use for anyone who loves and cares for a burn survivor uh, through all stages of the burn survivor's recovery. So we support them while they're being treated in the hospital. We support them after being discharged from the hospital. And then we provide follow-up support in the form of recreational programming, group support, financial assistance, And I specifically focus on the recreational programming side to our young burn survivors, so burn survivors under the age of 18. And the camp that we hold for young burn survivors is called Midwest Children's Burn Camp. And it is a week-long overnight camp for young people ages 6 to 17 who have survived burn and smoke inhalation injury. This summer is our 27th summer of operation. So we've been around for quite a while, and the program is always evolving and changing, but it's still based on you know, the foundational camp that is accredited with the American Camp Association. So all of the activities that our campers participate in are facilitated by that camp's program staff. They ride horses. They do archery. We have riflery. There's a low ropes and very high ropes challenge course. Camp is located on the Black River. So, you know, this is the beginning of August in Missouri, so it's hot. So about half of every camper's day is spent on the river doing paddleboarding, kayaking, canoeing, sometimes just getting on a tube and floating down the river. And we have arts and crafts. We have a nature house that has a lot of snakes, which is not my favorite activity. But (laughs) kids go off campus to a local rock formation called Elephant Rocks. And um, oh, I love do you know about Elephant Rocks? Oh, yes, kids and you know, and adults absolute dream playground. Our older campers go caving. And of course, we have a pool. We're really trying to give these young people an opportunity to participate in activities that are challenging for any young person and might be especially challenging for someone who has had a burn or smoke inhalation injury with the goal of helping them see that their abilities are not limited by their injury. They can do the same exact activities just as well and usually even better than someone who is not a burn survivor. And just to have a community around that too, because I would imagine that most of your campers that come, they feel pretty isolated in that regard. Yes, yes, yes. I appreciate you bringing that up. Many times a camper has not met another burn survivor until they come to camp. Fortunately, burn injuries are becoming increasingly rare in young people, you know, as we learn more about how to be safe, hot liquids and things like that. However, when they happen, it can be very traumatic and 
because some of our campers come from very rural or isolated parts of the state, this camp is an opportunity for them to see other people who have similar histories, to connect with other people who have similar histories in a way that they might not be able to in their home community. I've been on this search of camps like yours, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different communities that I didn't even know had community and it's just so wonderful to be able to promote you guys and uplift you um, you. doing such such amazing work. What is your role during the summer when you're giving this camp? Are you the camp director or what what kind of role do you play? Well, my official title is the director of youth programs. I am extremely fortunate to supervise a group of volunteers who makes up our senior leadership team that during the camp off season, I kind of facilitate regularly scheduled meetings, planning meetings, where, you know, we discuss the schedule and the supplies that we need, any changes related to our programming because of our status as a accredited camp with the American Camp Association. I do a lot of logistical planning for camp. We have a amazing activities director who takes care of the schedule and a camp medical team who kind of focuses on making sure that we are keeping up to date with all of the recent medical care. And we have group leaders who kind of coordinate their camp staff. The staff for our age groups, we split up our campers by grade level. Our elementary schoolers, our ponies, our middle schoolers, our Mustangs, and our high schoolers are our stallions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I maintain the relationships with the insurance provider, with the camp that we're renting from. And and when we're at camp, you know, I kind of joke that I, I sit back and I do nothing, <laughs> which is not true. And sometimes feels like it is because have a really strong core volunteer group and just a strong volunteer group in general, like all of our camp staff are volunteers. And like I said, many of them have been volunteering for years. And so they're familiar with the process of camp, um, you know, behavior management practices. I consider myself very lucky that when I am at camp, I can rely on our camp director, on our activities director and our medical director to kind of make sure things run smoothly on a day-to-day basis. Great that you've got their help and that you've got a team Mm -hmm. of people and volunteers. That's really the way to do it. That way then when it is time for camp, you're just like, yep, I'm just going to sit back and relax and watch all these people's lives get changed for the better. Exactly. And you said that you've been in this role since 2019. Is that correct? That is correct. So describe a little bit about navigating through the COVID shutdown. Did you guys offer programming during that time? How has it been kind of coming from that? We were very ambitious and we provided a week-long virtual camp. And we sent camp in a box ahead of the camp date where the campers had all the materials that they would need for all of their activities. And we provided programming from 8 a.m. in the morning till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And then we broke for about four hours and then would come back for our evening program. It was extremely ambitious. And it was the first time that I was in a leadership role at the camp. Not only was I new to the camp, but I was new to a leadership role within the camping community in general. So it was very challenging. And again, I'm going to call back to the strength of the volunteers to help put this on. Um, you know, I put out a call. It's like, hey, I need activity facilitators that feel comfortable leading a group activity over Zoom. 
what do y'all got for me? And they came back with the most fabulous, really quick and easy activities that would not take a lot of materials because that was important for us because we were mailing these boxes as far away as Arkansas. Wow. Um, and we regularly had about like between 30 to 40 campers sign on. It was amazing. I'm, gl- I'm glad that I did. And I felt confident knowing that, like I said, I'm just going to keep mentioning them. I had a team of volunteers to rely on that knew the camp, that were so committed to the mission that even though we knew this was going to be so hard and require juggling a lot of moving pieces, they're like, okay, what do we got to do? How can we make this happen? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You only did that for the summer of 2020. Were you guys back in person in 2021? We were in 2021 and we modified our program a little bit. We split the age groups up. So the high schoolers came for one session and the following week, the elementary schoolers and the middle schoolers came for another, which was difficult because, you know, one of the benefits of having in-person camp is you know, mixing up that age group and having the young people spend time with the older campers who are veterans of camp and facilitating those near peer relationships. But we realized like if that's what it meant to have in-person camp, that we were going to have to make the group a little bit smaller. That's what we were going to do. And then last year in 2022, we had everyone back together again, which was fabulous. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. And I bet it was big for you too, since you'd started in 2019 and it was like, oh my gosh, finally we're here. We can (laughs) can leave again. I think that this summer will probably look the closest to what it's been like before COVID. I'm grateful that we are able to put camp on and we're able to in 2021 and 22. I know a lot of camps were not as lucky. And I think that the whole process made us as an organization stronger. And it's definitely something I'll keep referring to like the next time a hard thing comes up to remind everyone, if we successfully put on both a virtual and an in-person camp during COVID, what can we not do, you know? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Summer camp. Resonates mm-hmm. time. So I commend you guys on being able to navigate through that and being able to learn from that experience and become better. I think that's where a lot of people are right now. I can just hear your excitedness and your energy (laughs) for camp. And I'm curious, who were some people along your camp journey that inspired you? And what did they do to do that? The counselors that I had when I was a camper really helped me realize that I wanted to turn this near peer, being a trusted adult outside of the household concept into a profession. There was a trio of counselors that I had several years in a row, Amanda, Erica, and Colleen. And they were people who just helped me feel really confident and very um, comfortable in my own skin, which was something that I did not feel at school. So, you know, for like 10 months out of the year, I was in a place that I just really didn't feel like I fit in. And camp was where I felt like I fit in. I knew that I wanted to be that person for young people based on my own experiences with being a young person that didn't have that need met at school, but had it met at camp. And then 
Right now, I rely a lot on our camp director, who we call Uncle Larry, in terms of just helping me keep my feet on the ground. I am someone who always predicts that the worst might happen, which is a good quality to have as a camp director. Trying to make the environment as safe as possible. It's your job to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to come up with the least possible scenario and have a plan for it. But sometimes that can just really bog you down on a personal level. So Uncle Larry is someone who's really kept me grounded in terms of being a supportive person when I knew that I had to make a change that maybe the camp community like would not understand the purpose behind or feel a little unsure about. Sometimes I need to be reminded that I've done hard things and have come out better for it on the other side. And also our camp medical director, who we call Rocky, has also done that as well. Our board has started to call me the brains of camp and Rocky's (laughs) the heart of camp. And I think that we both work really well together in terms of balancing each other out where I can come to a situation very analytical and very regimented, like, okay, step one, two, three, and four, which is an excellent quality to have. And is also balanced out by Rocky's heart-based approach. She lead with her feelings, which is absolutely necessary when working with young people who have gone through something traumatic. So those are two of my current individuals that really helped me along my journey as a camp professional. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Well, my next question is a little bit more lighthearted. I know you've already shared your camp name for the Mm -hmm. podcast, but would you mind sharing it again and the story behind it as well? Oh, gosh. It's Mad Dog. I got the name in college. Good to introduce yourself as this on a podcast because if you hear Mad Dog, you might think of someone (laughs) who is super intense and like maybe a a larger person. And uh, that is not who I am at all. And so I think the nickname originated as kind of like an ironic statement of how like soft and fluffy of a person I am. Um, Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's stuck. I mean, my friends call me Mad Dog. And um, when I started at uh, Midwest Children's Burn Camp and I heard that we went by nicknames. It's like, well, I already have one. So um, (laughs) yeah, that's where it came from. (laughs) I think there must be a trend unbeknownst to the camp community about giving the most kind-hearted people really tough names. I have a friend named Knuckles, not a mean bone in her body. I mean, just the kindest human. (laughs) But when I first met her, I was like, ooh, Knuckles. Like, that's you must be really tough. I think the nickname is an opportunity to bring out the silly, unexpected side of someone. Otherwise, that would be your real name. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> My next question is geared more towards the camp programming. I believe that I saw on your website that you offer a counselor and training program. Mm-hmm. Or yep. Can you describe a little bit about what camper leadership looks like at your facility? Sure. The summer that campers are turning 18 before they come to camp, they enter the counselor and training program. Throughout the year before coming to camp, our counselor and training coordinator, whose name is Axe, will 
stay in touch with them to get them ready to like meet application deadlines. They have to apply. They have to be interviewed just like any other brand new volunteer and they have to provide references. So it's kind of an introduction into shifting away from the, I come to camp as a camper as I'm applying to come to camp and I might not be accepted. And this is kind of how it is in the real world. So they'll divide their time between the elementary schoolers and the middle schoolers. So they're exposed to interacting with um, every single age group. They also work together so that they have that experience working as a group, which can be challenging, as we all know. And in addition, they also come to our young adult retreat. So many of them were at our retreat we had this past weekend to kind of be introduced to the CIT program uh, and then also and be introduced to some of the other important life skills that are necessary as you get out of the house, you transition from adolescence to young adulthood. And they stay in the CIT program for three years. The second year of the program in the summer, they continue to plan the evening program and the veteran CITs will help the new CITs. The third summer, they stay with one age group. Um, so they're placed in a cabin, and that's when they're really kind of treated as a junior counselor of sorts. And when they come back as a 21-year-old, they are a full-fledged cabin counselor with all of the roles and responsibilities of any cabin counselor. Oh, my gosh. And to be able to pull them in for the retreat. Yes. Um, yeah. just had, that is mm-hmm. That speaks a lot about your program to be able to have this sort of leadership. I might be mistaken. Your camp only runs for one week. Is that correct? It does. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a program that runs all summer long. It feels that way sometimes. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Well, the, when there are, we always talk about take care of these kids for one week out of the year. What about the other 51 weeks? What kind of support are they getting what kind of connections are they maintaining with the burn survivor community? And how can we help make those connections happen? So the retreat, which happens about halfway between the end of camp and the start of camp, is super important in maintaining those relationships. And it hasn't always been that way. And we found that on the years that we didn't have the retreat, we wouldn't see as many campers come back as counselors in training. So that was kind of the impetus to really recruit them to come to the retreat, to stay connected. And so that they felt comfortable coming back as a counselor in training and really stayed tied to the mission of camp. Full-fledged volunteers, or do they come to this retreat as well? Or is it mostly just for the camp? They do come to the retreat. We had four of them at the retreat this year. I think that that is kind of sometimes the biggest pull for these young people because they're getting to spend time with the volunteers. You're an adult, I'm an adult, and we're friends. And so there's a different working relationship now instead of that dynamic of I'm acting in local parentis of you. Like this retreat, they're 18, they're adults. We don't have a curfew. We're not waking them up in the morning. And when they come in... But it is a helpful step so that when they come to camp, they're already familiar with acting as colleagues instead of on day one, just being thrust into this new dynamic where for 10 years I've known you, my counselor, and now I'm supposed to feel comfortable coming to you with questions about how camp is run or how I should solve this problem. So it's really important that we have current volunteers at this retreat for that reason. I can attest to the time that when I was a camp director, when I put on retreats for my staff, that's when I had the highest amount of returning staff. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's amazing that you guys are able to do that, even for your 
CITs as well. Mm. That is incredible. I am curious, what are some traditions or some activities that you guys do that kind of set you apart from some other camps? So we offer a activity called Share Your Story. And this is an entirely optional activity for our campers. We don't offer it during any other preferred activity during the day so that they don't feel forced to choose, like, do I go swimming or do I just share your story? Yeah. And share Your Story is an opportunity for burn survivors to come together and share their burn story, share as much of it or as little of it or not share it at all. They can come and they can share and listen or they can come and they can just listen. And usually this is very well attended. Of course, some campers do not and probably will not ever want to share their burn story. And our emphasis is that that is fine. The story belongs to you. You get to decide in what way and on what terms and with who you want to share it. But I, I think offering this at camp is a, very therapeutic in terms of hearing what others have gone through and understanding that you are not alone. Healing from a trauma, is, it's very important to understand that you can feel like I'm the only person that this has happened to. And that is definitely not the case. And it's also a way to practice how to respond to people who might ask you questions out in the community. Some of our burn survivors have very visible scars. It's, it's hard not to notice them. And people are not always respectful in asking questions about them. So share your story as an opportunity to practice. I was burned at this age. This is what happened. I'm feeling better now. Thank you for asking. And that's yeah. all you have to say. That's incredible. And that's great that you leave it. Oh, you leave an open door. You don't force anybody, but it's there if people want to take the opportunity to do. So. My next question is kind of a big one. Okay. Uh, what is the most important lesson that you've learned from your time at camp? I think that people sometimes misunderstand what camp is for. And this might be due to like the way that camp is portrayed in media and things like that. The adults and kids who come to camp are there for the most purest of purposes. They want to be part of a community where they feel accepted. They want to be part of a community where they will not feel judged, where they will not feel laughed at when they challenge themselves and, you know, inevitably fail because we always do. And then we pick ourselves up again. The adults who come to camp want to feel like their contributions are worthwhile. The campers who come to camp want to feel like they're being heard and understood by an adult. And that is the nature of camp is building those relationships, building that community. And I know that I definitely thought, especially as a young person at camp, like camp is just fun and a place to spend time with my friends and to meet boys um, and stuff, <laughs> right? And as I've gotten older and, and have spent more time at camp, it's all about the community and the connection. And, and yes, we absolutely have fun. And we're silly and we're loud and we're boisterous and we do things that we wouldn't do outside of the camp setting. But at the end of the day, everyone just wants to feel accepted. They want to feel valued. They want to feel like their time is making an impact. And that is what I have learned about what really what camp really means. Wow. That's that was so eloquently put. Well, moving something to a little bit more lighthearted. Okay. I would love to know what your funniest camp story is. Can it be you would only find this funny if you're a camp director? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. 
Um, I have a lot of camp directors that listen. So (laughs) (laughs) this one's for the camp directors. It's funny and that it's like, ha ha, you're crying, laughing because you're just like, I don't know what to do. Um, (laughs) So there is there is one way in and one way out of the campsite. We try to be very clear with the charter bus companies that we contract from that there is a hairpin turn that you need to be very, very careful with or else you will get stuck. Um, Last summer, it was one of the hottest on record in Missouri and we were getting ready to dismiss campers. One of our buses had already arrived, had made it past the hairpin turn and we're like on schedule and everyone's feeling good. And was like, we're going to get home like on time. And the camp staff from the camp we rent from who have at this point been there for nine weeks are like getting ready to go. And that second charter bus comes in and gets stuck. Oh. And that means that not only can our parents who like come and pick up their campers, not get in to camp, but no one can leave. Oh. And I am the only person who knows this. Like the, at this point, the campers don't need to know because it's not time to be dismissed yet. And I'm just like walking up the path and coming back and walking up the path and coming back to like see what, if any, progress was made. And I'm telling you, this charter bus is like seesawing. Thankfully, the owner of Camp Tom Sock, his name is Nick. And if he listens to this or anyone else does, he is amazing. <laughs> You know, there's always a school bus at camp, right? Like a school bus that's like, we right. don't really, it's there for emergencies. Uh-huh. And he hooks this school bus up to the charter bus and pulls it out. <laughs> I mean, someone who's not a camp director, who's not responsible for like the logistics of like just getting kids in and out of camp. I'd be like, why is that funny? But I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's like going to take two hours for a tow truck to get here that can tow a charter bus. That bus pulled in and was like 15 minutes late, which is frankly to be expected. That was just one of those, well, what do you do moments at camp? You just have to laugh about it. You do. (laughs) And you also just have to commend the owner for being able to just be like, oh, I got a bus. Don't you worry. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) I mean, camp folks are the most creative, innovative people. And he got us out of that pickle. So that's wonderful. I love that. When I think about my camp experience, never did I think that I would blank. I honestly never thought that I would run a camp to be a camp director. Yeah, it was always a mystery to me. I would go into the camp office at Barry, be all this camp documentation and scheduling stuff that is intimately familiar to me now. But I always just kind of assumed that camp happened and I just showed up and went where they told me to go. (laughs) And I never thought I'd be on the other side of that. But I'm super glad that I am. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm Mm-hmm. If you could change one thing about your camp experience, what would it be? I would love to go back to camp as a young person in the 2010s. I just feel like there's been such such progress made in terms of how we interact with young people, how we understand the behavior of young people how we empower young people, how we treat young people as co-owners of the camp, people who have control over 
their schedule, people who can take on more responsibility than maybe previously we assumed. I think that camp is a much more empowering place right now than it was when I was a camper. And that's not to say it's because there was a performance deficit when I was a camper. It was more of a skill deficit. What we've learned about the importance of resilience and the importance of social emotional learning at camp, I think is just made it an exponentially more powerful experience for campers. And so if I could change one thing about my experience as a camper, I would like just for one year, be a fourth grader again (laughs) and come to camp and experience that the way that camp is run now with what we know about mental, emotional, and social health of campers. I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase mesh and how there's an emphasis on that more in camp. And I think that that's something that was missing when I was a camper. And again, not because the camp willfully was like, we don't care about the mental health of our campers. Just we didn't realize how important it was. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with mm-hmm. that. I'm so glad that we have made that shift and that we can offer that to our young people nowadays. Absolutely. Do you guys sing like camp songs and have like skits and all of that sort of good stuff? We sing camp songs, but not in the way that I sing camp songs at Barry, you know, like the Princess Pat and things like that. We take pop songs and we write dances to them. And <gasps> but most of our songs kind of have a message behind them about strength and perseverance. We don't sing songs that I associated <laughs> with okay. camp. It's different. It's good. And it's different. It's own different way. <laughs> Wow. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's more of like a production than it is just like a song. Our activities director makes up like dance moves. (laughs) Every year we have a new one. Wow. Most of them we build on from year to year. What is your favorite camp song? My favorite song from Midwest Children's Burn Camp is called Five Different Nachos. You'd have to look it up on YouTube, but it is a banger and the kids really love it. And the reason why I love it so much is because there's a time in it where the law the lyrics are just dude bro this party is sick and so you have to run around the pavilion and find someone that you just get in their face and say dude bro this party is sick (laughs) and it's amazing to see 80 human beings just get in each other's faces and pair off and just then you find someone else and you find someone else it's a great way to like get out of your comfort zone and Oh, talk my to God. someone that you've never talked to before. I love that. I wrote it down, so I'm going to be looking okay. it up and watching it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is your favorite camp meal? Camp coffee? Mm. There's mm-hmm. just something about the way that that coffee hits you in the morning. You're just like, this is what I needed. And it's great quiet time of the day where like other counselors are coming into the dining hall to get their coffee and you just silent nod and a a little raise your cup, that silent moment of camaraderie before you go out and face the day. <laughs> Did you sleep last night? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll, we'll go ahead and get another pot rolling here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those conversations. I love that. That's the first time anybody has ever talked about camp coffee. So. <laughs> now, at my, I have to ask, since we're on the topic now, at my home camps, we never wanted the campers to know that the adults drank coffee so we always had mugs mm. that we would use do you guys just drink it openly or do you have any traditions with that as well we drink it pretty openly and I, I think the tradition that is coming uh, 
that we're building at Tomsock is that they have the most random assortment of mugs. But over the course of the week, you'll start to recognize like, oh, that's Emilio's mug. You can't take that mug. <laughs> or that's one of our volunteers is named Pickle. That's Pickle's mug. You can't take that. <laughs> yeah, but we, we don't try to hide the fact that we're drinking coffee. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What is your favorite camp tradition? At the end of every camp, we have a twig ceremony. And it's a bonfire and campers come up and they take a twig and they can say, like, dedicate that twig to someone that had an impact on them that week at camp. And then they throw it on the fire. And it is really surprising who shares because, you know, we have an, an opening bonfire at the very beginning of the week. And you can tell the campers who are kind of nervous, kind of shy, you know, maybe this is their first time at camp or they're not used to being around such a large group of people. And then by the end of the week, you know, they're the ones standing up and like they take a twig and they'll like dedicate it to their cabin or to their counselors. And I'm like getting chills just thinking about it now because it's so beautiful. Just a really really nice way to end the week. Yeah, I love that. If you want to talk to more burn camps, there are tons of us. And the first camp that comes to mind is Sherwood Forest Camp, which is also based in St. Louis. They run four-week camp sessions. They work with young people who come from communities that would not be able to go to camp otherwise. It's not a medical needs camp. It is a camp that exists primarily to get young people out into the woods and out into the camping environment that definitely would not be able to without this camp. So that's my recommendation, Sherwood Forest Camp. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I will definitely be looking into their programming and everything. What do you miss the most from camp? Such a nebulous idea, but just walking around camp, seeing kids I I think I'm at that place at camp that this is my fourth year at camp. And so I'm starting to make connections with these kids and like I'm seeing them grow and change. Like this weekend, I said to the young adults, like I'm seeing leadership qualities revealed in y'all that's just so impactful and just so meaningful. And so I think seeing those young people like just change from year to year, like you're watching them grow up. I miss that when I'm not at camp. And I really value that when I am at camp. So I guess seeing the campers, which is feels kind of like a cop out, but. Oh, no, yeah, it's definitely- that's, that's what I miss. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Are you guys currently looking for more volunteers for this summer? Are you currently going through that process? If so, where can people go and find out more information or or even apply to be a volunteer? Mm, Yes, we are. Our applications to volunteer with us are still open. You can go to www.brsg.org, navigate to Burn Camp and for prospective counselors. Applications for new volunteers are due on our online registration platform March 15th. And then between March 15th and April 1st, we do interviews and reference checks. And then an official offer is made the week of April 1st. And if you would like to volunteer, we do have an in-person orientation that's mandatory May 6th and May 7th in Columbia, Missouri. We provide lodging and food for that weekend. And then volunteers arrive at camp July 29th, one day before campers, and everyone departs Sunday, August 6th. Awesome. And I will make sure to put that link in our show notes so that listeners who are interested can just click right on there and Mm -hmm. 
apply? If people have questions for you or want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Sure. They can email me, Madeline, that's M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N-E, at B as in Bravo, R, S as in Sam, G.org. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And I welcome all questions. Love to connect with camp professionals. Oh, awesome. I love that. I will also put that in the show notes as well, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. have that link right there and ready for them. We have a family camp in October, so which is a shorter time frame. So there's other ways. Like if they miss it, you know, I, I do a pretty good job of staying in touch with people throughout the year. It was just lovely getting to know you. And I hope that our paths cross in person. I would love to be able to volunteer for your organization at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. it, your mission is just so strong and I'm really excited to get this out there for our Camp Kids community. Well, thank you so, so, so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing about all of your camp experiences. Of course. All right, Camp Kids. That was Madeline, aka Mad Dog. Make sure to send her email, give their organization a follow and a like, and check out all the links in the show notes. And please, 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 if you have it on your heart to go out and volunteer, please go ahead and take the time to apply so you can make a difference in more campers' lives. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep this camp community growing by spreading it to others who are also part of this camp community. Please leave a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating, if this podcast has touched you and helped you. Next week, I will have another end review and go back to our regularly scheduled programming. That is all that I have for you for right now. But remember, this is good night and not goodbye. Goodbye.